Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are putting on the sandals and picking up the swords to ride with the Valkyrie and maybe even duel to the death on an active volcano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be reviewing The Northmen. We're going to start with an icebreaker question before we jump into a spoiler-free review of the film, and then we'll conclude the conversation by going into an in-depth spoiler discussion, and there will be a spoiler warning at that point. But joining me on the voyage with those Valkyries that I mentioned here, uh, first up, we have returning guest host from the Cinematropolis, Daniel Bokemper. Daniel, welcome back. Caleb, it is an honor. <laughs> Sorry, I won't, I won't do that the whole podcast. Thank you for having me. Have you been practicing that? Yes. How many, how many hours? Uh, how many years is the question. <laughs> and several. Excellent, Daniel. I'm, I'm thrilled that you brought your full Viking self. Next up, we have returning guest from Geek Girl Features. Uh, she's also the treasurer at the Oklahoma Film Critic Circle, Chelsea Ratterman. Chelsea, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm very glad to be on, on something that's not Snyderverse related. Non-superhero <laughs> films? Non-superhero films. It's fun. Something different. I'm excited. I, I seriously, when I when I saw that we uh, had a presser for this, because of, of course, uh, full disclosure, listeners, we did get invited to see this in advance by the studio. I was like, I seriously wonder if A, is Chelsea going? And if she's going, what is she going to think of this movie? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. And uh, last but not least, I'm super excited to be joined by a new guest host, first time joiner, Craig Sanger. So Craig, I hope I get this right. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're at KOKH TV, Fox 25. Yes. Oklahoma City sometimes. Yep. Okay. Yes. So WWLS FM. Yes. Every Friday. Every Friday. And you're also at KYS.FM. Yes. You got it. Kiss FM. And then uh, the KATTFM. Yeah. Yep. Legendary Rock 100.5 The Cat. And of course, I, I can't forget to mention that you're a member of the Critics' Choice Association as well. Yes, indeed. That is true. Thanks for having me today. Of course. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I've been looking for a, a good opportunity to talk with you around the table for a long time, so I'm thrilled that you decided to join us today. I can't wait. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, listeners, now that you know the players, um, I'm excited to get into the discussion. But before we do, I wanted to, to first note that if you are listening to the show today and you enjoy our conversation, the best way that you can support us is by subscribing and leaving us a rating and review on your preferred podcast app. First and foremost, I would say Apple Podcast is probably the most important one. You can leave us a rating and a review there. By doing that, it helps us get discovered by more listeners just like you. Uh, but also, Spotify now allows for ratings. So if you could drop in there, give an episode a listen, and leave us that five-star review. Now, with all that said, let's get to learn a little bit more about each of the voices around the table. We're going to start by talking about Vikings. You know, this is the subject matter this week. So excluding the Northmen, I'm going to ask each one of you, what is your favorite portrayal of Vikings in media? So that doesn't actually have to be film. It could also be television, could be video games, could be a music video. What is your favorite portrayal of Vikings and media and why? And Craig, I'll actually start with you. Well, this is good because I think I have the least amount of Viking experience uh, behind me. I, I don't. I know there's a ton of content out there. There's a lot of TV shows. There's a lot of movies. There's a lot of video games. I know Assassin's Creed Valhalla was a big deal. I had a few friends that played that game. Never played it. Uh, so I'm really not up to speed on the television shows either. So I know it's not a one for one, but probably when I think of Vikings, I think my mind goes to Conan the Barbarian first. And uh, Robert Eggers has mentioned this as kind of a touchstone for this film, The Northman. Uh, but really the one that I think I connect to and enjoy the most, also not a one for one as a Viking, but Thor Ragnarok. If, I would count, that I count Thor. Yeah. Okay, sure. If, if we're going back to the Norse mythology, let's say Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, I'll count that. And also, we don't usually do this, but because you just happened to mention the Thor on the day the trailer dropped, have you seen the trailer no, for Thor? 11? I'm anti-trailer. That's another discussion. But I stay. I'm I'm no trailer now. I I actually like that that take, I which I had no idea. Anya Taylor Joy was in this movie, so that was a pleasant surprise. See? Excellent. See, this is why you avoid trailers. That's right. You go in and you and it's like a, a whole new world every time you step into theater. Totally. Uh, I I wish I had that kind of self control. I respect you. Is it a good trailer? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs way up. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for those selections, Craig. And uh, again, I, on the MCU, I, I cool on it more and more every day. But when you when you say Thor Ragnarok, I get pretty excited. So uh, I know that's selection. the turning point. I think that like up to Thor Ragnarok, I think a lot of us were experiencing way like a lot of Marvel superhero fatigue. And then that one kind of like flipped the switch where it was like, oh, these can actually be fun if they want to be. And then we've had a couple of 
inside the Marvel universe and then a couple of like in the DC universe that have kind of stepped out and had a little more fun. I think Ragnarok is a big uh, turning point for that. Absolutely. It includes tons of Viking lore in there as well. So very appropriate. Chelsea, I'm going to turn it to you. Were you going to say Thor? I was not going. I I intentionally shied away from Thor because I'm kind of like a little bit like Craig. My touchstone is not quite in Viking. I'm a little bit more of like your, you know, your classic Greeks and Romans and all that fun stuff. So um, when I got to thinking about it, because I was reading all of our like kind of um, kind of like just updating myself on the movie. Um, I w- had Supernatural playing in the background. Um, and so that's actually kind of like a common thread throughout Supernatural. Then you have the Archangel Gabriel like masquerading as Loki with Loki's permission until he like kills him in season 15. But yep, so I'm gonna go with Supernatural. Supernatural is a great choice. Uh, I I only say this because uh, they I I watched that show so hard for five seasons, dropped out, and then you're like, and then season fifteen, and I'm like, oh yeah, wow, like they kept going. No, it's great selection though, because I actually like how that show kind of combines two or three different mythologies to kind of within their own set universe. Absolutely, yeah, it's It's really clever. Daniel Bo Kemper, bring us home. Thor: The Dark World. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, actually, That's the no, one you're going to pick, the dark one? No, 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 no. Um, actually, a video game. Uh, the Banner Saga from Stoic Studios. Mm, nice. Very um, visually striking, distinct little role-playing game that's turn-based. What's where, the time frame? Uh, it, it doesn't have one, but it is Or, I mean, when, the oh, release of the Oh, game. excuse me. I'm sorry. I believe it was the – it's three parts, and I believe the first one was released in 2017 or Ooh, 2016, okay. and then they concluded it. Um, I believe in 2019, um, but it is it's just such a brilliant game about a uh, um, father and daughter duo uh, that uh, every decision, which you're allowed to make so many decisions, every single one of them feel wrong. Like you never feel like you're doing the right thing. You're just stumbling through um, a really brilliant story and uh, a really intimate story, especially not something I did not expect from the video game when I um when I purchased it, but it's also one of my favorite genres. It's a turn-based strategy game. So, yeah, no, I was about to ask about the the genre piece. And my understanding is this series is still ongoing. I believe. I think it's wrapped up with part three. I believe okay. it is. Um, but who knows? They could always open that that uh, that gate once more if they wanted to. I, th- I I think I haven't played those games, but it's one of those like cult classics. Like mm-hmm. the people I know who have played them are like super hardcore. This is a top tier game. So great recommends. Hopefully, a few more listeners discovered a new game. Oh, we forgot one more. Uh, a little tiny game. I think it was it's called uh, Elder Scrolls Five. Maybe Skyrim was a little. <laughs> uh, it's probably available on your Apple Watch. If uh, not today, it will be tomorrow. Every almost certainly platform imaginable. It's funny that we're we're gravitating towards video games because uh, I guess there's been a lot more Vikings in video games and television than there have been in film. I mean, obviously, you have the t- show Vikings. Yeah. I watched the first season and it was cool. I fell off, but it's still going strong from what I understand. I think that the sequel, quote unquote, series is now on Netflix versus the History Channel. So again, that, I think that show came out like 10 years ago. So I just think it's really awesome that uh, Vikings were able to find an audience that large. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. kind of having a moment. I mean, yeah. my in-laws are into it. Yes. I, I know a lot of my friends. I, it's crazy the amount of people that are into these shows mm-hmm. and people that I never would have thought would have been into Viking stuff. Like, my yep. mother-in-law <laughs> loves it. I mean, that just blows my mind still. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was very clever to play it on the History Channel, oh, reaching, right, reaching right. that demographic. My girlfriend has watched several seasons of the... I think she watched an entire run on the History Channel, and I was I just discovered this a couple weeks ago, and I was like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. You uh, lure people in with American Pickers and then you keep them with the, <laughs> That's the way to do <laughs> the it. Viking reenactment. Yeah. Um, my recommendation, though, is also a video game, uh, God of War, the 2018 game. And again, God of War, for those of you who aren't familiar, is actually based on Greek mythology. Uh, for the original run, they, they started on the PS2 and God of War on the PS3, and they had a couple spinoffs in there. But the, the one that was a really big deal that came out on PS4 in 2018 sort of uh, re, quote-unquote soft reboots it. We are old man Kratos. He's, he's kind of like... Um, Oh, I don't know, like Clint Eastwood. It's kind of like an old man, Clint Eastwood old, uh, or Logan from 2017, where it's like he's old, he's tired. He, he finds out he's got a son and then he has to kind of grapple with, wow, I lived a really violent life. And it just, I don't know, kind of tackled like the, the themes of violence, which we'll actually talk about later in this podcast uh, in some pretty fascinating ways. But also instead of being Greek mythology, they full swing uh, into the Viking uh, mythology, uh, which uh, is tons of fun. It's a lot of surprises. Again, PlayStation 4, uh, and now available on PC as well if you haven't played it. So 
All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, what you have learned is that not a lot of we don't have that much Viking experience outside of uh, some video games, I guess. With that said, let's go ahead and jump into our review of The Northmen. Now, behold. He's here. He's here. Mother! Father is here. The king, my lady. The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How oh, I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, Father, my king. IMDb, The Northman is described as from visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. A couple of fun facts about the film. It's budgeted uh, from somewhere between 70 and 90 million dollars, which I think is definitely the biggest budget that Eggers has uh, had a chance to Mm -hmm. play with. If that doesn't show anywhere else... Had uh, the cast, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe. I mean, this is a stacked cast. It's it's one of those movies where every person you meet is like some super famous actor or poet or musician that you, you've, you've probably heard or seen elsewhere. So with that said, let's get into some initial impressions here. Like, what did we like? What didn't we like? Uh, Daniel, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think stylistically, it was near perfect for the story it was trying to tell and the setting it was capturing. Um, the imagery is, you know, part at times kind of whimsical um, and other times it's uh, terrifying, but all of it I think is poignant. Uh, also the cast, just so many great performances that carry this film, um, specifically Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor-Joy, of course, Alexander Skarsgård. Um, and then among others, um, you know, I have to mention my Bjork bias, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit later, but, um, again, I just think the way it also dissects the idea of destiny and belief and how it relates to violence and the attempts to justify violence, um, in order to ironically like live, um, or preserve some way of life that's clearly not really working anymore. Um, I do think at times, sometimes it felt like there were moments where it was maybe like treading water a little bit, like it kind of got its point across and it just kept going a little bit. Um, and there was it, oddly, um, and I'm still chewing on this, but um, as far as like the, the imagery. So with Eggers last film, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but the lighthouse, it was a little more, I think um, almost secretive or it, or it was very reluctant to reveal um, some of the imagery and some of the more magical elements at play. Um, and that worked really well. And here you do get, you're a little more exposed to it. And I think it's still, um, works, but there's at times I felt like I was almost overexposed. Like it almost, um, hurt the, the magically real elements of the film to be, to see, you know, this imagery so much. But again, those are incredibly minor criticisms to, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. All right. So Daniel's got some trepidation, but overall likes the film quite a bit. Chelsea Raderman, what do you think? I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I think it's one of those movies that we're kind of hoping is, you know, one of those movies that's going to save the mid-budget cinema, right? Um, you know, it's it seems to be have a good bit of hype. So I'm really excited about that and being able, like people being able to experience things like The Green Knight, maybe that this is kind of a little bit more like an entry piece for something like that, which is a pick for one of my later, our later conversations. Um but I really loved how it kind of felt the Shakespearean. You could feel it in there and some of the dialogue and things like that. So um, you didn't quite get it full Hamlet. But, um, you know, you could see those connections if you're familiar with, like, the Shakespeare property and all that. Um, but I, like, it's just felt, and I think it's kind of like a trend in some of the movies we've got right now. It just felt bigger. Um, and, you know, whenever you're coming from the lighthouse or you're coming from the witch, it's a little bit more claustrophobic. So you felt a little bit more open here. Um, and I mean, everybody did a great job. Everybody was really committed. Um, I really don't have a ton of complaints about the movie. 
All right. So Chelsea Raderman, very enthusiastic about the film. Craig Sanger, what did you think? Very positive as well. Uh, it's interesting that Eggers got to play with such a big budget. Uh, he kind of got an upgrade, not to not to diminish the A24, but but focus features a, a little bit more of a, a commercial appeal opportunity for him. And unfairly or not, he kind of gets lumped in with with three directors, with Ari Aster, uh, David Lowry, Robert Eggers. The, these guys are always kind of like the holy trinity of like the the new auteur filmmaker. And uh, the ninety million dollar budget you mentioned before. I mean, this is far and away the biggest that any of these guys have, have dealt with. I mean, Lowry did the Peach Dragon for Disney, but that's kind of a separate thing. That was a Disney studio picture for film for kids. Any of the other independent films that he has done has been around the seven, eight, nine, ten million dollar range. Uh, so really interesting that this is going to uh, play to a bigger audience. I think The Lighthouse, a good example, uh, A24 is just so good at promoting and marketing their films. I remember when The Lighthouse came out, my wife Stacy was like, hey, I'm seeing the trailers for this. It looks awesome. And I was like, I, I don't know if you're going to be into it. And she was like, no, it looks great. Let's go see it. We saw it. And she was like, what is this? And I was like, I know that they did it. They're so good at doing the marketing. Uh, I think this one is very accessible, not completely accessible to the most to, to, to the major commercial audience. I think the first 15 minutes are still a little arty for people. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, but it does have this like art house thing to it that might be a little bit of a barrier for, let's say, my parents, if my parents were to go see this. I think overall they would probably love it. But getting through that first 15 minutes or so, they might be like, what What are we doing? Are they hallucinating? What is all of this mythology? Uh, but it turns into a very uh, commercial. And I'm saying I don't mean to, to grade the movie. I think that's a great thing. I, and I thought it was very enjoyable and well done. I mean, we could talk about this later, but he is such a stickler for historical accuracy. Uh, the detail that he went to in The Witch was insane. Uh, it, it seemed like he was really dedicated to the language in The Lighthouse. And then this one was uh, a lot more of the imagery and thematic elements I thought that he really dove into. No, I, I think, uh, Craig, I just want to echo everything you're saying there. This, uh, it's kind of amazing that a, a director like this was able to get such a large budget. Yeah. And uh, again, I think it is really clever because I'm of two minds of this film when it comes to accessibility. On one, I'm like, this in some ways, which we'll, we'll, t we'll talk about a little more later, has the same appeal of like a 300 type mm. film. Mm -hmm. But it also has, like you say, especially in the first act, some extra heavy arty things that oh, people yeah. are going to, they might, it might get lost in that first section. Definitely. But if you get past that, you're like, are you, listen, the question is, are you here to see some guys get just brutally murdered in the most violent ways imaginable? Like, it, yes, yes. And you will see tons of that. The production design in this movie is stellar. Everything looks very lived in. Um, you feel like you're there. I, again, I, I couldn't get over just how well both the production design and the cinematography work together to really oh, make, yeah. immerse you in the world of the film. Um, but while also still playing with some of those more magical elements. So whenever you have those sequences where you're like, is this a dream? Is this a vision? It, it was a lot of fun because... I think most of the time I'm like, you could take it either way. It, it either actually happened in this weird surrealist magical way, or this guy's just done a lot of drugs and it works both ways. And right. I, 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 appre I really appreciate the ambiguity there. Uh, but again, though, I don't want to belabor the point too much about the performances. We've all said, we all agree. Uh, it's really stellar. I just love getting to see Ethan Hawke play characters like this, uh, for example. I mean, but everyone really shows up and gives an A plus game. We just, I, I don't know about you, it feels like it's been a while since we've had one of these quote-unquote swords and sandals type movies, so um, I, maybe because of that, I'm a little more biased, but I'm, I'm very pro of the movie as well. Yeah, I hope it does well. I I, I love the fact that they got uh, a filmmaker with some art house street cred, which is definitely still there, uh, a stellar cast that really appeals to a lot of people, and uh, that Jaron Blasky, uh, off of his uh, cinematography mm -hmm. Oscar a couple of years ago, I mean, it's got all of the pieces uh, that I, I just hope this performs well. So Fingers crossed. On that Fingers note, crossed. on that note, not to not to uh, um, go down too much of a far of a tangent, I should say. But I was out and about on Saturday, and um, I was at a bar, and they were throwing UFC. And on the UFC's mats, they're using they have a Northman logo on it, wow. and covered in actual human blood, not intentionally. <laughs> but I'm like, if that's not the like ideal way to sell this film then i don't know what so i have high hopes for that reason um but yeah who knows we'll find out 
Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. I'm with you. I, I'm very hopeful this to, this is successful so that we can get more of, again, Chelsea, what you're saying. It's very rare that we get these mid-budget films anymore. I feel like right now we're like in the middle of this weird, I was saying before we record the show, April has been like an embarrassment of riches because we had everything everywhere all at once. We've got this. Uh, we've got the Nick Cage movie coming out uh, next weekend. So actually, by the time you're hearing this, this weekend. So it's, it's just crazy um, how many of these like mid-budget sort of indie I don't want, this is not an indie film, but like a very indie minded, auteur driven film right, that we right. have coming out. Um, so fingers crossed. Um, also pitting this against the Nick Cage movie. It's going to be a really interesting weekend uh, come <laughs> Sunday morning box office results. Okay. So I already mentioned here, uh, and, and Daniel, I think this plays really well with what you were talking about, the marketing towards the UFC. Given the amount of violence, I do think there is an apt comparison here to 300 or Braveheart or you name it. Um, do you think this film is doing something different enough to separate itself from those films? And if so, how? Yeah. Daniel, I well, fortunately, it's it's not directed by Zack Snyder, so I this would be a very different film. And again, not to um, because I feel like if we go back to our Justice League uh, review, I reviewed that positively. So Zack Snyder can do good things, but I, I don't think he was um, trying to to do anything particularly new or brilliant. Maybe not thematically with like three hundred. Uh Braveheart, I have not seen since I was eleven. So I can't speak to that. But I do think this is, you know, despite how violent it is, and it does have a lot of the violence and the 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 imagery you get in something like three hundred, but at the same time you get moments to contemplate and meditate on the violence and look into what it 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 really means. And again, I don't want to say suggest that Braveheart doesn't do that. Um because I don't know, but I do think a lot of films that are of this, you know, nature um, sometimes forget to do that and it's very important maybe, or maybe they just have no intention to. Um, and again, 300 would be the one I'd cite to that effect. Um, or maybe something like clash of the Titans, the more recent one. Um, but, but yeah, no, I think it's definitely doing something way different, but it's almost building a bridge between, you know, those two kind of films, I think. So you, you, you think it's again, kind of, kind of trying to have its cake and eat it too a little bit. Yeah. I think it's appropriate to say that, but I think it does it pretty well. Um, you know, I, I would say very few, if any, missteps in that direction. But yeah, it definitely wants to have all the violence and then also say something um, very poignant about it. And whether or not it does that fully, I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I don't know if that, you know, a little bit of ambiguity, ambiguity between, you know, the dismemberment and beheadings is okay. Yeah, so. absolutely. Chelsea, what, what do you think? I mean, uh, do you think this is uh, doing anything uh, super unique or interesting? Or do you think we're just having another one of those sort of like kind of like rah-rah macho testosterone filled murder fests? I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't say that. I think whenever you're looking at something like, well, I mean, we're comparing it to 300 and um, Braveheart in this particular instance, but Zack Snyder is very particular in his style choices. And I think you can obviously agree that Eggers is the same way. Um but comparing the Northman to 300, I don't think quite works because the 300 styling is almost like comic booky. Like it's right. you see the blood, you see the things, but it's it's not it doesn't have the same impact. Whereas here you're watching it like you're going to watch the Vikings TV show. I mean, you can compare it to some of the things we're going to see in like Game of Thrones. It's more visceral. It's more real. You know, we're it, it's you you feel it's more historically correct. Like, I mean, we're actually doing these things. These are things that actually happened. And I know I'm a little squeamish when it comes to like the gore and the things like that, but I'm personally, I can handle it when it's looking a little bit more like this versus you're like kind of, kind of like the comic booky, like stylized one. Cause it's, you feel the impact of it differently. So yeah, I have a question for you, Chelsea. So like similar, so in 300, one of the problems for me with that is like you get, completely desensitized to the violence. Like it almost doesn't mean anything, but I feel like here, do you feel like you weren't ever desensitized to the violence of this film? Like it always struck, like it always had an impact. It always felt. It always had a, a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So you, and because, you know, we're watching Amleth and we're, we're going through his story and his, his like the revenge and everything like that. Like the things that he is doing have a purpose. And I mean, I don't want to say we're like, we're rooting for him. Like rah, rah, like, like to chop the guys up, but like he he's doing things for a reason. And so it lands with more purpose. And so you, you feel it in a different way, like emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So it's not just uh, gratuitous for the sake of it. it. You know, it's, it's, it's more gritty. It's more real. And there's, like you said, it feels like it's all 
very in line with what the character would actually do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Craig, any thoughts on comparing this to some of those other films where the 300 or Braveheart, it could, frankly, any of these sort of like uh, big epic, like um, the good, I call, I keep calling them swords and sandals films. Yeah. But. I, I think it holds its own. I think it has uh I think it has an edge to it, and I think it has style without being overstylized, like 300. Uh, 300 kind of like dated, it like time stamped that that its moment in time where it was using those kind of effects and the 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 the, the, the color grading and all the little tricks that 300 did. Uh, this movie does not have that. It has like the brutality of the era. Uh, it's got uh, you know I, I I kind of thought about like one of the last really good movie I think I saw was The Batman. I saw that a couple of times. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, Matt Reeves just does not move the camera much. It's just locked off shots and you're just seeing what's happening. This movie that Jaron Blaschke's camera is just moving all over and it's in some really intense scenes, like when they're sacking the city and you see a lot of violence and, and gruesomeness. Uh, and then even like the quiet moments, the camera's still kind of just floating around and, and I enjoyed the, the, the style of it where it's not hammering you over the head with like, oh, this is a cool, like, look at the camera moves I'm doing. It, it's happening, but it's not flashy. Yeah, yeah. It's more immersive. Uh, you can, you're can you allowed to, to feel like you're you're living in that world a little bit. Um, I, I also liked the fact that the camera followed the, the characters quite a bit. Uh, reminds me, going back to those video games conversations we were having earlier, like that over-the-shoulder style because you oh, feel right. like you're like right up yeah. on the person. You can still see them. You know, you can still see Skarsgård and what he's doing. Yeah, But yeah. like you you have that like closeness and intimacy and perspective still perspective that he has in a way that you wouldn't get in those highly like wide shots or right, big epic right. battle scenes. I've read a couple of uh, interviews where Eggers mentions uh, Conan the Barbarian and I went back and watched that and there's a couple of scenes that that are really reminiscent of each other. There's like a reveal when, when the kid ages up and it's revealed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Also a very similar scene when you, the kid reveals to be Alexander Skarsgård uh, and then the violent sacking of the city uh, in the early part of the movie. Very similar to Conan. Uh, yeah, I hadn't even made that comparison. It's very impressive, though. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie. Uh, the second oh, man. city. You know, despite the fact that tons of people are murdered and all oh, that. Right, it's, right. It's, yeah. But it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Remind me to ask you about a little cameo in the spoiler section. I don't want to spoil any any little cameo here. Absolutely. Uh, well, we will uh, bookmark that for the spoiler section. But uh, speaking about Egger's other work, obviously, we've already talked about uh, reference The Witch and The Lighthouse. But how do we want to compare this exactly? I mean, uh, so Craig, anything you want to add about how this movie is a, a little different? You already hit, hit it pretty well. But anything you want to add here? Another thing I loved is that it's it's a sub one hundred million dollar major ish studio release uh, on. And you could argue this, but it's not pre existing IP. I mean, if you want to say Norse mythology, you know, going back to the Amleth story and Hamlet, uh, Hamleth. It's interesting because I did like a big deep dive. Like, okay, is this based on Hamlet? And then no, actually, Hamlet's based on Amleth, which is way before. Uh, so I know that's that technically is IP, but it's not you know, a video game, uh, a comic book um, series that they're now adapting to, to, to bank a little off of. Yeah. No, the Shakespeare verse. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Let's yes. wait. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, how about you? I mean, how, how did this, uh, watching this film differ in experience from previous uh, Edgar's movies? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously my most immediate one is going to be The Lighthouse, The Witch I saw when it came out and it's been like a minute. But I think the, the what always stands out for me whenever I'm watching Edgar's movies is I mean, it's it's claustrophobic and it's also like manic at the same time. And you don't really get either one of those with this movie. And I don't know. It's it kind of feels like it's almost and I don't want to like accuse big budget movies of going this way. But it's like as you're kind of stepping up, you're not going to get the kind of claustrophobia that you get when you have the smaller budgeted mm -hmm. films. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's just, you know, the budget we can't quite do as much. So we're, we're you know, we're trying to make do with what we have. But you don't have that here. And I think that that's missing for Amleth. Daniel, I mean, wh how would you kind of compare it to your viewing experiences with other Eggers films? Yeah. So I want to say he's gotten progressively better, but his two previous films are, are quite a bit different. Um, and just to speak to, um, but what Chelsea and Craig mentioned the, the historical accuracy, the, the attention to detail and then the claustrophobia. Um, and it's interesting. The first thing I noticed about the Northman was the, um, the four by three ratio of the lighthouse. And this was actually like kind of ultra wide. In fact, I think at our screening, they 
maybe a little, got a little overzealous. Oh, yes. oh yeah. <laughs> don't even get me started with that. <laughs> yeah, the got a little overzealous off. with the curtain. So we yeah. got an ultra, ultra wide. Um, well, we, we couldn't even read the subtitles. Yes, yeah, so we yes. had to interpret our own meaning. I, it, th- it, it was the things. emotional, the emotion behind the. Right. <laughs> you were very generous reading, Daniel. <laughs> so yeah, in a way, some of that is a little bit lost with this film, but um, it still preserves, I think, what ultimately is Edgar's strength, which again, historical accuracy, the imagery, the, the just the overall storytelling, which could have been um, helped by, uh, I believe, Spjorn, or Spjorn is the uh, the co-writer of mm-hmm. this, who uh, wrote Lamb in uh, 2021. Yeah, so a, a poet turned screenwriter um, from, I believe, Iceland, but... Don't quote me on that. And um, he's having a great great year. I mean, I know it's technically a different year, 2022, but Lamb was just last It was recent, yeah. Unless he was sitting on it for like 30 years, and then they're like, finally, somebody will make this movie. Um, But yeah, I I think he's gotten progressively better, but it's hard for me to like compare. I I did rewatch The Witch recently, and I really, really, really liked that film, but um, it definitely had an initial shock to me that I you know, wasn't able to even really recapture. Whereas the lighthouse I feel like is still just as moving. Um, even upon a repeat villain, you after seeing some of the, the mysteries of the film unwind. Um, but this is fundamentally different. Um, so it's really hard for me to compare those, his most recent films, I should say the two most recent ones, but I, I have a really good feeling about the trajectory of his career. Um, especially after seeing this. Right. I, I think what's good about this is fingers crossed. If it uh, performs well, uh, we all agree we're fingers crossed. It's going to do well. I'm, I'm excited to see what Eggers is really going to do next, mostly because he, this is his ma- most mainstream film. As we referenced earlier, it's something I would probably recommend to most people who are into, you know, historical war dramas. Um, whereas, the Witch, I would recommend to horror fans. And The Lighthouse, I would also recommend to horror fans. But it'll be like, but it's not really a horror. It's more like a psychological descent into madness that happens to be psychologically terrifying. But it's not like a, it's a really unique, very, very, very niche film. So in, th- in this way, I, I think what's great about this is he's able to, to hone what he's good at um, in a way that is much more... Um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot more palpable to what mainstream audiences want to see versus like focusing on a very specific niche genre. He's doing everything he does well. Again, again, production design's always been great. Um, having a really strong vision uh, for how the films look, he's he's been great at that. And casting top-notch performers, all that's here. It just has a bigger budget and doesn't get too lost in its own sort of like auteurism. Um, so... I gotta say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the film, which is gonna take us to letter grades. What letter grade would we give this on the, you know, classic A, B, C, D, F uh, scale? Uh, Chelsea Raderman. I think we've pretty well established that I'm a like very happy or very not happy person, so I'm just gonna give it an A because I feel like it's very solidly an A. Um, I really don't think there was anything that I can pick out that was super wrong with it that would justify anything else, and it was definitely not an F. So, and I don't have any middle ground apparently. Are minuses in play here? Yeah. Are we plus, plus or minuses, minuses okay. are allowed. Yes, yes. Uh, I think that's a good stipulation. I'm not, I can't get into that kind of nuance. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm trying to have to like, I have to convert the scale because I like to work on the four star scale. Uh-huh. But then there's half stars in there. So yeah. then you ha- I, I don't know where that, the, okay. A plus is a four star. A yes. minus is a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. A, okay, okay. Don't overthink it. You're right, right. Well, okay, if, I, if you were going to grade this. I'm an A also. A also. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Craig's giving it an A. Um, Daniel, Bo Kemper. Yes. Well, I'm I'm always curious to hear what letter grade you're going to give the movie. It's a B plus for me. Near perfect. Um, and not to say an A is like a perfect film, but um, I, there were just small reservations. It's not to say it wasn't emotionally moving, but, you know, after seeing something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, just so closely to it, and which are way different films, but, you know, that was a very emotionally, I think, jarring and pulling. That would have probably been a name minus oh, okay. if I had to think about it. But Daniel's um, very tough on this grading yeah. scale. I'm not... <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like I am, but, <laughs> I, but yeah, B, B plus it, it did a lot of right things for me. Um, mine, like a few minor reservations, but again, still a great film and just to talk about spoil of riches, like what a great, just film going experience. Definitely one worth seeing in theaters. I, yeah, I, I'd uh, also go with the, the B plus. I think it's great. I think it's a must see on the big screen and I don't, I, I don't know, especially now that we're coming out of the pandemic, I, I want to underline the on seat on the big screen because for a while I was like, well, if you're comfortable, then it, yeah. but like this is if you if you see it at home, 
it'll probably be pretty solid, but just being able to see some of the, the just, uh, sort of that gritty violence and the scope and the the cinematography on the big screen just it was mesmerizing it was sucked into the world and I just don't think it's going to have the same effect at home mm-hmm. uh, not to mention when you didn't even talk about the sound and the score is really top notch yeah. again just a very immersive film so um, my trepidation is not for not giving it an A is mostly I do think at the end it sort of tries to have its cake and eat it too the movie poses a question and at the end it says well, we're going to give you the thing that you think you want, but we're also going to tell you why that's wrong. And we're going to do both. And I don't know. It's not that it uh, breaks the movie by any means, but I also feel like whenever you do that, you really probably should get a little more nuanced than than perhaps this film did. But again, still outstanding. Must see on the big screen. Before we move into spoilers, I do want to also give uh, our listeners uh, some other alternate movie or television, novel, music, or video game recommendations. Uh, So what would you recommend to listeners who enjoy The Northman? Daniel. So I have a few. One that's more closely related. Um, I would say uh, Igmar Bergman's The Virgin Spring um, about uh, I think it was the basis for Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left, if I remember correctly, but about uh, Max von Sydow playing a um, very, very early Christian who determines that he needs to do something very, 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 very not Christian uh, and violent. Um, And so he turns to worshiping Odin briefly uh, to justify that. Um, takes place roughly around the same time period of this film, actually. Um, just a little bit, you know, a few centuries later, but not much. And, um, yeah, just just deals with that idea of is this violence justified? Well, do the cosmos say it's okay? Okay, then I guess this would be fine. But wait, no, I need to go back to my other cosmos to justify what I'm doing. Um, and, and so I like that. Um, I will say – to get on the because this film I do think does discuss the the addiction to violence and maybe the the high weekend when um, to brutality so I think something like Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker actually has a pretty strong relationship with this film and at least the two protagonists are pretty closely related um, and then I would say for a novel Chris Hedges uh, War is a Force that gives us meaning um, which again is just an examination of why people do the things we do like warfare and like you know, genocide and things like that, not to justify it, but just to look at what it is and what it means um, in a way that doesn't feel like some strict clinical analysis, but a very, very human approach. All right. Three very strong recommendations. Craig Sanger, I'm going to turn it to you. I don't want to steal Chelsea's. She said one that I want to use. So I, 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 Chelsea, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I'll let her say it first. <laughs> um, so I was definitely going to go with The Green Knight. Um, yep, I think that it's just a really good companion movie, but it's kind of what you were referencing earlier where um, it kind of is like the Northman's kind of treading water for a minute. And so I think the Green Knight accomplishes what the Northman was trying to do where it's, it's very slow, but you're like anticipating what's happening next. Whereas you're kind of watching the Northman and you're like, okay, what's happening next? Yeah. yeah. It's so. pretty, it, I see Green Knight, I think is less straightforward to its benefit versus uh, the Northman, which is. Very straightforward. Not a problem, but it's just, you know, you yeah. kind of know where it's going and then you're just waiting for it to get there. Right. And yeah, and with the Green Knight, you're going to get a little bit more of that like mysticism, which, you know, we get a little bit with the Northmen just because it's the nature of the Vikings and everything like that. But um, yeah, the Green Knight is just as weird, if not a thousand times weirder. Um, so check them out for two sides of the same coin. All right. Excellent. Green Knight. Fantastic movie. You should check out our review on the cinematic schematic we did a couple of years back. Uh, Craig Sanger. What yeah, say you? Same thing. Green Knight. Uh, I'm a huge fan of David Lowry. Uh, I have a great affinity for a uh, former AMC projectionist. I was a projectionist AMC. So was David Lowry. So was Owen Wilson. Those are the only three guys that I know that <laughs> actually were. It's a great legacy. What a pantheon. Uh, it's a great legacy. Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, it came out during the pandemic. I know there was, it was, there was a long road to the theater uh, for that film. Uh, I think they were done with it. They went back to the editing room. They re-edited the whole yeah, movie. Chopped yeah. it up. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was great. There was a lot of ambiguity uh, in the storytelling uh, and a lot of that uh, mysticism, which is just really appealing. Uh, and great performances as well. Uh, Dev Patel, uh, Alicia Vikander. I, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, those filmmakers uh, always kind of paired together, Eggers and, and Lowry. And uh, I don't know, just by happenstance, that their films kind of just align themselves to be like partners. And in, in, they're not even the same genre, but they kind of feel like part of uh, uh, the, just the same vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was going to include Midsummer on here. Why? Because oh. uh, I read because again, it is a different genre, but uh, I hadn't drawn the connection. But yeah, Ari Aster's in that same group where they're mm-hmm. all doing this like mid-budget, highly produced, 
very immersive sort of auteur driven film. And uh, that's another movie where you feel like you're, you're living in it with them. And frequently, uh, at least for me questioning, is this really happening? Right. Right. Or is this like some sort of uh, like psychedelics thing? Is it actually a fantasy? I really um, uh, like that movie touches on that as well. I'm also going to mention when wrestling with violence, the history of violence, that's an underseen movie that like almost nobody ever talks about anymore. I think it was, the last film to get a VHS release. Correct me if I'm wrong, Whoa. wrong listeners. Nice uh, little piece of wow. trivia there. Yeah, that's a good one for trivia night. Um, but it's um underrated film, stars Vigo Mortensen. Again, grapples with uh, even when you're able to get out, can you can you can you escape your 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 violence, uh, your violent destiny? Um, no matter how hard you try, is there really a way out of it? Do you have a choice? And I think the movie explores that in some, some pretty thoughtful ways. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is all we have in our spoiler-free section. We all say go see the movie on the big screen. We left you a few recommendations. Now it's time to get into our spoiler discussion. So if you don't want to be spoiled on The Northman, go ahead and tune out now. I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Okay, Craig. Uh, you, you kind of had me hanging a little bit here, so I want to throw it back to you. You said you had an Easter egg that you wanted to drop in spoilers. Yeah, the big scene where they sack the city, the big like moment of violence you see from the Amleth character toward the beginning of the film. Did we see Tormund from the Game of Thrones there? Ooh. Oh, there was a red, I, like, I mean, there was a red bearded guy. And he has a line too. He kind of like walks in, he says something, and it just. And I was like, oh, well, we're going to see him again. And we do not. We don't see him. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I now have to rewatch this entire movie. To, yeah. This is kind of my thing, the Game of Thrones thing. So um, that I think I didn't think about it, but I think you might be right. I think you are, because I feel like I remember sitting there going like, do oh, I maybe? know him? Yeah, right. He did get like a lot of attention. Yeah, like weird. There was like some attention. Yeah. But on that care. Ah. Can we just take a second yeah. to talk about the sacking of City, though? Because um, <laughs> I, I, my, my reaction this starts with my reactions. We're, we're quietly watching it. And then before I know what happens, I see that he has a spear that he throws back. And I was like, wait a second. Did he just catch that and oh, throw right. it back? Yeah, yes. Right. And, and from that moment, I just, I, my head exploded. And then we had the rest of the sequence, was, which was super brutal. Yeah. If anyone uh, is on YouTube and wants to check out some uh, of the earliest memes, um, the Techno Viking. Um, it's just this like <laughs> single take of this guy who kind of looks like uh, Amleth in this film. Um, complete with his own Alex Gander Skarsgård 18 pack. Um, and he just, yeah, is, is raving on a, uh, I, I assume some street in Germany. Um, but, uh, yeah, same energy, just this constant, this Terminator that is marching and just completely. Was it one, know, was it one take? It, it seemed like it. it. I don't know if yeah. technically it was, but it definitely felt like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. Uh, well, um, one of the, the themes I want to hit on here, it sort of as part of our spoiler discussion, um, is just this idea of fate versus free will. I mean, so, so the film sort of presents this, his destiny is to, um, uh, was it protect his mother? Um, oh, I will murder, save you, mother. Save you, mother. He'll avenge I'll his father, father, save his mother, and he'll murder his uncle, right? Yes. Those are the three things yeah. that are they, they sort of present. And here's the thing. The movie, at, in the, the beginning of the third act, is like, well, actually, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, okay, we're going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. He sees his family. That's why he, the reason his reason for fighting. And he's like, no, I have to do all that stuff to protect my new family, but he still does it nonetheless. That's sort of my, you know, have it, have its cake and eat it too sort of thing. But um, this core internal struggle uh, for Amleth, uh, again, is that classic theme of fate versus free will. Do you think this film lands on a satisfying exploration of this theme? I have already played my hand. I feel like it's a little lacking, but um, <laughs> uh, Chelsea, I'll start with you on this one. I, I would agree with you that it's it's a little lacking. Um, we had a little bit with um, Bjork's character, the the Cirrus, um or however we're pronouncing it. I don't, it was a weird spelling when I looked it up too. And I was like, okay. Um, so I don't think it goes quite where it needs to go with that exploration because I'm going to throw another word in here and it's destiny. So you have fate and you have destiny and then you have the free will conversation. And I know whenever you're talking within all of these like different mythologies and pantheons, um, the, the, the Norse have an equivalent of the fates. So they have the three sisters that are, I don't think that they're drawing the strings or whatever they're doing and, the Greek mythology. I don't remember. It's been a minute. Um, I'm, I'm rusty. Um, but I, I, I think that it doesn't quite get there. Like you were saying where it's, he, he, you want him to see like he's going to have the free will and he kind of, I think he thinks he has the free will to make that decision. But I think that his fate was still always going to end up 
on that, you he's, know, the side of the volcano. He's going to fight butt naked with his uncle on the side of an erupting <laughs> volcano. There was I, no way to escape it. The I, gates of hell. You know what? The fact that I got naked Clay's Bang and Alexander Skarsgård in one scene, I'm not mad. <laughs> do that again. I mean, frankly, I know it's a spoiler, but I kind of want to use that as the pitch for the movie to anyone. I'm like, <laughs> yes. do you want to see these two guys fight to the death of a volcano? Um, I don't know. Okay, so you're, you're thinking kind of like it, it's unclear whether or not he has the full realization that he has a choice. Like he, he, he seems to have some inkling because he's like, oh, I, I have a family. I have an alternate future. But then he backpedals immediately and says, now I have to protect that future. Right. So you don't think the movie's very clear about it doesn't get there because it's it's st- I think it's I think Eggers was focused so much on the historical accuracy that he didn't know how to necessarily incorporate the mythology and the mysticism of there's something bigger at play here. And I don't think he quite got there with it. Okay. Yeah, no, I I, I tend to agree. Uh, Craig, I mean, what was your thoughts on this? I thought that the end was sort of an homage to Kubrick's Spartacus, where oh, wow. He kind of realizes there at the end that uh, it's it's fine because there is an heir, and there's all of the the imagery of the family tree, and and he realizes that there is going to be a next generation that he doesn't have to do everything. Mm. So 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 his active choices, his life is doesn't matter really. Right. His his life doesn't matter so long as his heirs live on. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Chelsea brings up a really good point because I guess where like as cool as the uh, naked fighting on the on the volcano is um, it, it almost feels like the film goes a little bit too far. Like I would have I think maybe prefer again, I don't want to like fantasy produce this thing, but like I would have preferred it if it was just him lingering on the question. Like, am I like going to go perpetuate this circle of violence because I think it's going to um, allow my family to live or do I just need to wash my hands of it? And it's not a problem anymore. It's done. Um, and I think leaving it at that ambiguity instead of going the whole, you know, see Hamlet to his end route, even though that is, you know, historically accurate, maybe, maybe it would have been a bit stronger in that way. Um, at the same time though, I do think the exploration of how we kind of tweak our destinies to fit, you know, our needs and, and things that approach us. So, you know, for example, like we get that sequence of, um, I think his uncle's name, his uncle basically raising his what is oh tri- his, no try it caleb Fjolger. Uh, right for the younger the brotherless <laughs> when when he sees Fjolnir, right um like sees him um raising his half brother and he's actually giving him kind of like somewhat valuable lessons and it's very akin to you know the interactions you just saw you know not too long ago between amleth and his father when he was a child um, and you know, it's like, oh, he might be kind of a good guy. I might have to pivot my destiny a little bit. Oh, it turns out my mom's kind of a piece of shit. Got to pivot my destiny. Oh, I'm not got not that he was expecting to inherit a kingdom, but like, oh, this all isn't playing out the way I expected it to in any kind of way. I need to like re- adjust basically to, uh, to be able to justify what I'm doing now. Um, I, I think that's really interesting. And it's like, yeah, let's, let's just recalibrate our cosmos at will a little bit. And he's not like consciously doing that, but I think that film like looks at that. A little bit and, and does so in a kind of enticing way. Again, you're right. It does try to get a lot of different things across. And then I think in in trying to show maybe potentially as many possibilities as it can with this character, it it, it deflates the value of um, you know, we mentioned before at this point, the ambiguity of it. The 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 actual question itself, I think, is more powerful than seeing what Amleth, how he answers it. Um, at least in this context. Um, not to say I don't like Hamlet, because I do, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think that might be where, where it kind of is a little less satisfying, but I, I still think, um, it does some of the appropriate things and still at least plays with the question enough. Yeah. That's, that's different for a film of this nature. You bring up a great point about, uh, his mother. I mean, what a great heel turn from Nicole Kidman and that, that monologue that she gets to, to, to showcase. And then he, Amleth has to struggle with processing that. Well, and it made me wonder, cause she mentions like when she's like my, your uncle, I saw you getting carried away by my uncle. And she's like, I was laughing. I wasn't crying. Right, right. And I like, it made me I'm like, I wish I could rewatch this immediately yeah. just yeah. to see. Yes, it's yes. like, yeah, but um, no, that is, yeah. Interesting. Again, just stellar performance too. I know Bjork wasn't in it much, but the, the, and I wouldn't say she's a lead, but between Nicole Kidman and Anya Taylor-Joy, their performances, I think really more so because the, the men just seem kind of straightforward in a lot of ways, not to discredit them, but like they didn't have much like, 
um, as much room. They were a lot more, I think, static in some ways. Well, like I think the their sort of stories and characters were more obvious on the on the label, whereas yeah. there was a little more under the surface going on um, with Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, Nicole Kidman, you know, so forth. Uh, so, and again, we've already talked about the the violence a little bit. This movie is very brutal, and I don't know. Maybe this is just me. Whenever you have like these big uh, war epics, I'm always kind of wondering, like, is this film just doing like sort of a shallow, like, rah rah, this is really cool? Is it sort of trying to interrogate what's the point of violence? I, especially Chelsea, as you point out, this is a very like gritty feeling, like realistic feeling violence. So I'm usually like, okay. Is this trying to really interrogate this in some meaningful way? So I want to just talk about this for a second. This movie is not uh, like specifically about this, but in the end, do you think this film uh, judges Amleth's actions throughout the film? Again, sort of related to what we, the question we just asked um, about like his decision. Do you think the film says, yay, this is cool, yay, this is bad, or is this just a historical retelling? Craig? Mm. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, do you think at, at some point, Eggers watched Revenge of the Sith and the, the Anakin and Obi-Wan was like, how do we make this sexier? <laughs> well, they're naked. naked. Step one first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, that's a tough, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's a tough one to answer because it, it seems like he's showcasing the, 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 just the brutality of the era. Uh, I don't know how, how he's wrestling with that as the point of view though. No, I, I don't, and that's the question. Maybe he's not. I, I, I tend to think he's not. Yeah. I, I tend to think he's just presenting the story using sort of like the, you know, the, the historical backdrop, but I don't think it, the, the film actually judges the character one way or another. I, I personally don't think that, but it is tough because anytime you do that, people tend to read in their point of view on it. So I'm just kind of curious. Chelsea, did you have a take on uh, how the film did violence? So I'm going to kind of relate it to our last question a little bit in that, you kind of talked about like the cake and eat it too, where we had the conversation of um, you can have your revenge or you can have your family. And I think if you look at those as like the revenge is your fate and your family is your destiny, like you're going to establish that, like the next line, the Kings and everything. I thought, I think he was judged by not achieving his destiny. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's my take on it. Do you think the film judges that he made the right decision? I don't think that Eggers takes a stance on whether or not the violence was justified or not. I think he's just very much like it's a very clinical, like this is how the Vikings conducted business. Um, But I think it's, I think whether or not Eggers accomplished getting the mystical part of things in there, I think that if you look at it and judge it in that way, he was judged by he got his revenge, but he also died and like, so he didn't reach his destiny. Mm. Okay. Right. Well, Daniel, bring us home on this question. Yeah. So I, I think it does judge him to some extent, but it doesn't almost doesn't do so like severely enough in a way, I think to get, again, to speak to what we're talking about um, a bit earlier about how it wants to have a little bit of everything. Um, I think it, definitely I mean because you see him presented in two different lights you see him as this revenger this berserker this very violent individual but then during the uh what I can only describe as Viking sports ball um sequence he <laughs> saves his younger half-brother and is heralded as a as a hero I mean still slave but a hero um among his uh his uncle's family um kind of unknowingly and I I think so I think in those instances there is this like you know, what, what is this character? Is he a good person? Is he a bad person? Yeah, I mean, good yeah, point. yeah, he's a hero, but then he also has a sword called undeath or something, which oh, is kind yes. of, uh, kind of terrifying. And it can only be wielded at night when you can't be seen. Well, like, and he doesn't just kill amazing. He, yeah. he, he also doesn't just kill his uncle. He doesn't just kill his mom and his uncle. Kills he kills their everybody. kid. He yes. destroys their entire family. Yes. Bloodline. His half brother. Yes. Well, I mean, the chapter title, the, uh, the night blade feeds. Yes. I mean, is there anything better so that you're going to see the rest of the year? I mean, <laughs> love, love that it. sequence when he's on the roof and he's hiding it and he's like, sleep now. On <laughs> I know you thought, I know you thirst, but <laughs> you must slump. Or how he, he hung the bodies up on the, oh, the, the people horse, oh, the oh people parts horse. Ow. We didn't even mention no. the people horse. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just want to call that out because it was pretty visually striking uh, and burned into my brain. That energy, you remember the, what was the uh, 
Oh, I didn't watch too much of it, but the uh, the Hannibal Lecter like series, and there's like a famous sequence with a human totem pole. There is, in fact, a human totem pole. Same same energy. Yeah. Um. Yep. But yeah, I I think it judges him. It just like it doesn't do it quite severely. I think there maybe was a way, but again, maybe Eggers is kind of like that. He just wants it to sit in line. But but then I think with the lighthouse and how that concludes, like that's a clear judgment of Robert Pattinson's character. So I don't want to say he doesn't ever do that. Um. But but again, he does. Or even yeah, the witch. And I, even the wit. Yeah, which I don't know is a <laughs> – I don't know how he comes down on um, Tomlin in that film. She embraces uh, – well, she embraces yeah. embraces the witchcraft. So it's at least saying that she made a choice to revoke her sort of faith. And again, that's, that's a whole right. other she, podcast. She does live deliciously. Uh, uh, and also I, the movie paints the world that she is rejecting is pretty terrible. So I want to make right, that clear. But, yeah, that's true. But yeah, this film feels like it's a lot more middle ground than either of his previous I think so, films. Yeah. yeah. And that's a little disappointing. But, but there is a bit of like agony when he jumps off the boat to go do the thing that he's apparently destined to do, I guess. I just my takeaway is destiny's just a lot of BS, but killing people still cool. I don't know. I'm just mad. <laughs> <magical. laughs> okay. All right, all right. So, okay, okay. Uh, let's bring us home here. Just talk a little bit of fun talk, and then we'll wrap up. Um, we've already talked about how much uh, we really liked um, the sort of uh, how they you know just invade that city at the beginning of the movie. Um, what are the things that you guys think were pretty cool, uh, Chelsea? I'll start with the only sequences, and it could, it could be a battle, but it doesn't have to be. There's a lot of cool mystic sequences in here yeah i mean i obviously i i love the bjork scene i thought that was really just i mean you're you're watching it and you're just in it and it's just so interesting like watching her and her dynamic and just everything she's doing is just so interesting in that scene um and then you have kind of like the phantom of the night scene where he's like going through and killing everybody in his uncle's little, little village um and then i mean i would be remiss to um not mention once again the re- naked revenge of the Sith scene. <laughs> <laughs> i mean the whole movie was alexander skarsgård shirtless so like come on ladies also, how he comforts people he's about to kill. Don't worry. You're the first of men. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is fine. Okay. That's um, fine. Daniel, what was your favorite? Oh, um, well, I do like the Bjork scene just because it's very reminiscent of like, I was thinking like Pan's Labyrinth almost like yes. when he came up. And yes. like um, even portions of Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, have have kind of played to that, that uh, Guillermo del Toro touch uh, that I love to see. Um, and then we did talk about, uh, Craig brought up the the what appears to be a, a single take, that crazy berserker raid. Um, that it's it, it just a fascinating action sequence. Um but yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, the sports ball sequence itself is good. There's a Draugr yeah, fight. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Got a Draugr fight. Um, that's that's quite a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, it's almost it's hard to pick just like one thing. I know it's like yeah. it's it goes from one thing to the next. You sometimes you'll get like a one or two scene dramatic breather, and then just something also happen. You're like, what's going on, mm-hmm. Craig? How about you? I, I think it boils down to the camera moves, not to be just a lame, like, Oh, camera moves are, are just so cool. I remember Ryan Johnson said, uh, he used to think early on in his film career that it was all about the camera moves, but later he figured out that no, it's all about blocking and like how you move the camera and just the way the camera moves in such dynamic ways in different ways from scene to scene. And some of the images, um, the landscapes are just so bright. Sometimes they're uh, dark and rainy. Sometimes it's nighttime and it's no matter what, time of day it's just beautiful yeah it's yeah. just so energetic that the, the mm-hmm. camera just moves with such energy yeah no i, I think that's a that, that really does make a big difference and that speaks to one that i want to call out which is uh the sequence at the beginning in which uh him and his father have this spiritual experience with willem dafoe oh, yeah. where the, the camera pulls up suddenly and and it takes you a second to get like to understand what's going on and you see oh he looks down and oh they're actually astral projections now yeah, but but I, if I recall correctly, like it appears that the camera like swings up and you're following along with them. And it's um, I don't know. There's a lot of scenes where you do those trippy sequences in movies. And I think most of the time they're pretty spotty. This one was really successful. I felt disoriented, but I knew exactly what was going on at the same time. Um, and uh, for him to sort of like get that prophecy fed to him in that way, I just felt I, I thought it was pretty mesmerizing personally myself. So I just want to throw out there really quick, but I we kind of really didn't touch on it, but they kind of set Anya Taylor-Joy's character up to like be this Valkyrie figure. And so we get two really cool Valkyrie sequences and it's not ever her, but like those were crazy. Oh, the final shot of the film, I think, was uh, the the descent or the ascent, I should say. To Valhalla. To Valhalla. And that, that face she's making when she's right. like going, ah, I love that. Yeah. Those were really cool. Yeah. No, very good. Very good touches. Um, all right. Well, guys, uh, just we're going to wind down. I think we're about out of time, but uh, just quickly, you know, 
fingers crossed, again, this will be successful. Listeners, it's up to you. Go out and see the movie. What would you guys like to see Eggers take on next? We've seen him take on his sort of like supernatural, intimate horror film. We've actually, you could describe both of his films like that. And this is sort of his like war epic. Uh, what would you like to see this guy take on next? I have one. Go for I, it. I, apparently it's in production hell and I didn't realize it when I was looking it up, but Nosferatu, like Ooh, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah I, I need them to get it together. Cause I'm, I was like, I was like Nosferatu. And then I was like, Oh, it's already a thing. Never mind. Let's I go. I think I saw the headline. He wants to cast Willem Dafoe. Yeah, he who said is, he, he wants to work with William Defoe, which who he did. I mean, the, no brainer, right? Oh, no brainer. And then no he brainer. did the two thousand um, where he was um, Shadow Shrek, of the Vampire. Shadow of the Vampire. Oh yes, yeah. Um, yeah, he wanted to work with. I think. Um, I think Anya Taylor Joy was attached to it, and Harry Styles was apparently attached to it for a second. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, yes. And like so, it but the, it's fallen apart like twice. So Eggers isn't super sure if it's gonna like come together. I'm like, get it together. I mean, he already. Convince Willem Dafoe to fart and belch on screen twice. <laughs> <laughs> so surely third time's the charm. I don't know if Nosferatu farts and belches, but I mean, I mean listen, if Willem Dafoe will show up to play the Green Goblin twice, I, I don't see why he won't do um, Nosferatu. Yeah. Again, so, but I, uh, I, I mean, I'm just so excited about where his, where he could potentially go. Um, and it's a very long rabbit hole, but I was thinking like you mentioned the green Knight a lot and I'm like, what would, would an Eggers Ethereum take look like? Not necessarily the green Knight, but something, um, in there. I really want, you know, I feel like there's, he could do a lot with a medieval setting. Um, but then I got me to think about, well, what if, uh, we've never seen like a Canterbury tales adaptation, probably for good reason. But if somebody was to make an anthology film out of it, I think Eggers could do it. Which then brought me to like, oh, what if he just like picked <laughs> stories from Genesis and like made it anthology? Or um, we were talking about it. If if anyone was ever going to truly make a uh, horror film out of the story of Job, um, uh, I think Eggers would probably be I the one to do it. do it. Yeah, I think he could pull it off. Have to take tons of creative liberty to you know make an actual like the literal story, but it'd be pretty cool. Got to get to that Aronofsky level. He's got to make his version of a serious man. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> Craig, how about you? I would love to see him take a swing at a modern story, just a modern set. Right. I, he's, he's worked in period for the last three films. Uh, just what, do, what does it look like? What does it look like uh, a Robert Eggers film with characters that live in 2022? Yeah. No, I would, uh, piggyback off that. I'd say heist movie. Oh, uh, specifically. In, yes. Um, mostly because I like a lot of his editing choices in all three of his films, specifically the lighthouse. Um, I think there's a lot of really wild editing choices that can oh, make, for, great. make for a really interesting heist. Cause that's really the key to the heist is that how you, uh, write and edit the oh that's fantastic so I don't know that's just my thought. I've I, always said heist and time travel no matter no matter the movie if the, if it's about those two I'm seeing it. yes same page those Ooh. are two of my favorite subgenres bank robbing <laughs> bikers traveling across America I feel like that has some of the Eggers like beautiful that you could do yeah. so anyway so we're writing the script for his next yes movie we are yes yeah. <laughs> he, he did say it would kill him to shoot a cell phone though so you have to no no cell phones that's a tough oh, bikers don't use cell phones they're good he's good. Yeah. So all that said, um, I'll give everyone a final word here. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the Northmen or anything else we've discussed today before we wrap up? Uh, Craig? I'm going to see it again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to enjoying. I, I knew that Bjork was in the movie. She pops up. I didn't know it was going to be as brief. So I feel like I didn't really get to just let that uh, bathe in that. So I, I want to go back and like really lock into what 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 she has to offer. Yeah, that, that's the first time you're experiencing it. Now that you've identified the highlights, that second time. That's right. It's really mm -hmm. where you can take it in. Chelsea? Um, so I think I would just like to kind of throw out there and like talk about like, this was Edgar's film, but Skarsgård has been trying to get like a true Viking movie produced for 10 years. I mean, he was Eric Northman in True Blood. And ever since he said he got, he got, they got to do one day of like true Viking. And ever since then, he's been like gung-ho about it. So I would be really interested to see I mean, if this is the choice that Alexander Skarsgård is going to make as a producer, what is he going to do next? All right. So he, so he scratched the itch with the Vikings. Is he going to get his own succession spinoff show? That's really all I need to know. Have you, have you guys seen him in succession, <laughs> by the way? He's he like, was in Big Little Lies, too, wasn't he? Yes. 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 Yeah, it was terrifying. I'm, Which married to Nicole Kidman. And then in this movie, Nicole Kidman is his mom. Yes. That's mm. that's weird. I, oh. I made that connection. Yeah. Ooh, Eggers at a piss rex. That's where we All right, Daniel. What's your final word? If you're bound for Valhalla, <laughs> faith it to ride with the Valkyries. Know that there are uh, many ways to get there and you you don't have to kill people to do it. So 
Uh, just reduce the harm, y'all. A little less violence. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Daniel's Daniel's down. He's like, go go watch the violence. Don't partake in the. Yes, uh, but watch okay. it for sure. Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. You can enjoy it. Revel in it. Fun, I, I, listeners are tired of hearing me say this, but I'm going to say it again. I said it and everything everywhere all at once. Uh, listen, guys. Um, the same people I hear talking about how there's not a lot of original great films being made in Hollywood also are the same people who only go to Marvel films or DC films. So if you want to see more really cool original auteur-driven films show up when they play in theaters, this movie ha- is just as cinematic, if not more in many ways, than any other film you're going to see this year. Check it out on the big screen. Make it a full date night. You'll have a great time. Uh, seriously, it's worth your time. All right. With that said, uh, listeners, I want to give you one last uh, little sneak peek at where you can keep up with all of our guests today online. Craig, where can people follow you and your work? Uh, you can catch me on the radio Friday mornings uh, if you're in Oklahoma City uh, or find me on socials at, at Craig Sanger. Excellent. Chelsea? Yeah. Um, so you can catch up with me on Twitter at Cinephile Chels. So you get a little dose of current events, politics, pop culture, just the whole gamut of things, whatever existential crisis I'm currently extempting. Uh, Daniel Bokemper, how about you? Find me uh, at World Literature Today every once in a while in their magazines, but also uh, more often on the cinematropolis.com. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled for an essay uh, over the Northman. Um, should be dropping soon about things. Next week? Yeah. Monday, bright and early. Monday. All right, and of course, uh, you can find everything we do uh, here at the Cinemax Schematic over at thecinemetropolis.com. The social media profiles you can follow are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cinemetropolis or on Twitter at the Cinematrop. I personally, tweeting about, I need to go do the math on this, roughly around 80% movies these days, 10% uh, TV shows and 5 to 10-ish percent video games. Uh, you can find me there, uh, C Masters Talk. That is letter C, Masters Talk. Craig, Chelsea, Daniel. It's great to sit down and talk with you guys today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Thanks guys. For having us. Thank you. And to you listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>